Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is brought to you by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is brought to you by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? And now, here's Jake Adams and Mark Vanderwall. What's going on, Jake? Ready for What's another Mark? episode of Reef Therapy. I'm ready for another session of Reef Therapy. If that's what there you, you mean. go. I do need a session. I, I got to unload some some stuff off my chest on this one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, um, it's not bef- bad. Before it's we dive in, is there anything new going on with your tank? Because I got a lot going on with my tanks. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, it's, what, what did you, what, what was the hashtag uh, we were going to reality. Use? Is it reef reality? Yeah. yeah, so I lost, you know, two fish uh, while I was traveling, um, and then I had a blue squamosa for months and months and months, but it never put on new growth on its shell, Yeah. whereas the Duresa, Durasa right next to it, it's just growing bonkers, right? <laughs> you could just see that white calcified rim of just shell growth. Um, so there was always something fishy going on with that squamosa, and then, you know, Two days ago, he just, what do you call it when they start to gape and they start that's, to... That's it. Gaping. That's yeah. it. So, uh, I could tell he was starting to go and I didn't want him to decompose in my tank. So, I had to pull him. Such a bummer. Did you see any any rice snails around around it at all? I mean, first of all, mm-hmm. if he has rice snails, it should be attacking both clams. Yeah, no. I mean, I do have little uh, baby trochids. Uh, no, snails. these are like yeah, are but like they're not the grains of rice. Spirally, yeah, yeah, just um, like little sharp grains of rice. You'll see them around the mantle, and especially on the underside. I did see a uh, when I pulled them. There was a predatory whelk on them, uh, but I would not seen him on there before. So I, I, as much as they are not good to have in a tank, I assume he was coming in for the. He knew that you know the thing was on death's door. The finishing in. blow. Yeah, yeah, there you um, go. I've had some uh, some some challenges with clams over the last couple of years, and uh, all the clams I currently have are all cultured. I had a, a, a round of uh, mortality, including my precious devil clam. I, I actually Bummer. purchased that clam, trying to prepare myself that like for sure I, I was convinced I wasn't going to be able to keep it alive. Yeah. But I had to roll the dice one time, but then, um, I got a teardrop along with it and it went to a clam. You know, I try to quarantine clams and by quarantine, I mean, just like isolate, you know, just to watch and make sure they're good. I spoke with Julian at length and it's like, yeah, you kind of want to wait like three to six months. You know, if you buy a few cultured clams and want to add them to your tank, it's probably not a big deal. But when you're yeah. dealing with a little bit more exotics, you want to isolate them for like a quarter to a half a year. And, uh, yeah, the, the teardrop, uh, wild passed away. The devil clam took a, a couple weeks, but it was clear the direction it was going. Meanwhile, the three blus- blue squamosas in the tank with them never skipped a beat. Moroccan. Like, what the hell? Yeah. What the heck? And that is the frustration with clams. And I think that's one of the, I think that's what just one of the huge challenges. There, There's not enough people working on them. There's not enough people paying attention to what is happening to them. 
And so when you, there's, you have a, you know, a loss like you have, and I'm assuming you probably have uh, an ORA Durasa, and then your blue squamosa is certainly captive bred because they're not harvested from the wild. Yep. You just throw your hands up and like, what? <laughs> well, and <laughs> what that, that's, yeah, you know, the, the why is always the curious thing. Cause like we're talking, I mean, I'd have to look back when I bought it, but we're talking several months of no growth right? Like no indication that it was putting down calcium. And so clearly there was something wrong with it, but I wonder mm. why, you know, um, I photo acclimated it somewhat, right? But it's a clam. I feel like they are pretty good at self photo. They're, they're uh, so light hungry, man. I've seen yeah. people put gigas clams on a 24 hour light cycle. Yeah. On, like in a, in a refu an actual refugium or algae scrubber and just kind of leave them down there. It's, it's astounding what they can't handle, but it's also very tough as a clam lover when you have losses that are just hard to ascribe to something. Yeah, I feel like, you know, because people go crazy on SPS about lighting, but I feel like clams and gigantia anemones like blow SPS out of the water. Like they, they, they'll they love like 2,000 par, you know? Yeah, just so, about uh, three, you know, three feet under the water, just blast them practically with laser beams. Yep. But yeah, that, that was a bummer. Of, Speaking of reef reality, uh, sometimes, man, I'm just like, why am I, do I buy new corals? Because every new coral or every new fish is just like, it's a roller coaster. You know, best, best case scenario, you plop it in the tank and you never have to deal with anything. But if you have, you know, a substantial collection like I have in one of my systems where everything's connected, you know, adding one coral can lead to um, a lot of challenges. And... Um, um, I'm so, I was, I'm in the middle. I'm not sure where I'm at right now on the stage, but I have experienced a few, uh, euphilia losses yeah. and galaxia losses, Ooh. but not whole colonies. It's like single polyps and they are, they're not, they're not getting brown jelly. They're not whiting out. It's like over a period of like two or three days the polyp just kind of closes in and slowly separates from the skeleton and just blows away like you've seen this happen slowly maybe in like elegance corals maybe yeah. some cinerinas maybe some trachophilias and um yeah it's not happy with it but i i had been kind of planning to all right so i have over a thousand corals and so when you have this many corals, there's just like, there's always something happening, right? There's always mm -hmm. something stressing out. When you have a, a regular reef tank, you might have, I don't know, 20 corals, 30, yeah. 50 corals, and you're not adding to the collection that often. You're not getting corals of all different types from all different people from all over the world. And so when you just have one or two display tanks and you experience a loss maybe once or twice a year, it's easy to just kind of be like, oh, well, you know, that sucks. We, you know, I, don't, I don't know what happened, but, you know, that's what happens. And But when I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build the living catalog of all coral species, and more recently I've decided that I'm not okay. I am not okay with not knowing. Yeah. So all at once I, I, I had ordered like a bunch of reef primer from Polyp Lab. I had um, a couple different stranger like exotic um, antibiotics, um, and I got a dissecting scope at the same time. Nice. So I, when I noticed that this disease, it's, it's somewhere between a disease and a parasite because there's no like, uh, there's no jelly, right? There's no funk. But when I saw the polyps were just straight coming off, I'm like, oh my god, I got to do something. So I pulled out 
um, a large orange frog spawn, and one of my gold galaxies. It's like it's so isolated. And I gave him some some strong reef primer baths, and uh, man, that galaxia was crazy because as I'm like just kind of trying to baste it, like almost all the tissue between the core lights is just literally blowing away. This was what day is today? Wednesday, so maybe like Sunday. Or Monday. Now, Monday is when I got all this stuff. Came in at the same time. The dissecting scope, the reef primer, the, the, the hardcore antibiotics. So I took the the Galaxia and the tor- and the, the frog spawn, gave them some uh, reef primer dips, and I believe it's some kind of like potassium salt bath. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to like burn away everything. It's supposed to burn away the eggs of aquareating flatworms, of neuterbronch, of all kinds of stuff. But anyway, so I'm putting it in there basically as the um, the cauterizing agent, right? Just like just let's burn off chemically whatever is happening in there. At the same time, I took a couple samples and just put them under the microscope. So I got this really cheap microscope from Amazon. It was about 90 bucks with a built-in LCD and it takes pictures and video. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's well, actually a good deal. Yeah, and then like two days later today, I found a much nicer one for like 200 bucks. So I'm already <laughs> I've had this thing for like a day. And I'm all like, oh, I need better. But I was able to see something, right? And uh, little spinny bits, let's just call them. And I believe they're ciliates because I, I mean, it was like during college when I had access to microscopes and dissecting scopes, I could occasionally encounter these episodes where corals were like, evaporated they would just get consumed and and there was no obvious macro predator and one of my i think it was my second ever video on youtube in 2006 was a time lapse of ciliates eating a newly settled out coral polyp turning neon green while they're eating the corals neon green tissue oh geez all right so <laughs> i know this isn't like no this, no this is good. my like therapy it. it's a good story i'm getting i'm getting it all out so i'm 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 really motivated to stop throwing my hands up in the air and trying to drill down. I mean, this is like the first time in 15 years I'm really leveraging my marine science degree. Like every gear is turning at the same time. Not just not just the biology gear, not just the lighting gear, not just the chemistry gear, but like everything all at once. All right, so the triage for those two corals was putting them in the reef primer dip to try to burn off whatever's going on. Then I put them in a 10-gallon tank with um, an exotic new treatment. It's not that exotic, um, but a couple well-known folks in the industry are doing some research with this. That's why I can't tell you exactly what it is. So they went from the, you know, the burning salts bath to this other antibiotic. And so they've been there for three days. I'm telling you, like, if I hadn't done anything, for sure those two corals would be skeletons by now. They are not skeletons. <laughs> they are not looking awesome they're not looking terrible but they're not like the disease is not progressing so hopefully the one-two punch of like the cauterizing with the reef primer killed off the initial parasite and then the antibiotic is preventing secondary problems now i also isolated my euphilia dominant aquarium from the entire system put on a large power filter in there just get some like you know surface agitation and turnover yeah added an air stone and i chemi cleaned it because we know the chemiclean is some form of antibiotic. That's the only way it could really, you know, eradicate uh, red slime algae. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but it's part of a larger system. So I have no misconception that I have eradicated it from the system, right? So right now the euphilia tank is still isolated from the tank. So it still has this power head. Yeah, I was going to say, because when you stone. hook it back up, are, you know, are those, those potential vectors going to come back in, right? 
Here's my working theory. I believe that it's a ciliate, and I believe it's probably in most systems, unless, you know, you've really gone a great length to sterilize it. And something about just current conditions or a new coral I've added just tipped the scales a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. And um, I'm, right now I'm still, like, kind of brainstorming. I'm like, all right, let me – how can I isolate every LPS-type coral? Because it's, it's only affecting the euphilias and the galaxia, which are closely related to euphilia. And it was affecting the torch corals first. I actually paid dearly because there's this hybrid torch spawn that was like lemon, lime, orange, green that I've been growing for a sliver for six years. It's gone. It's mm. gone. It's gone. I did send a, a big chunk to Chris McLeod at ACI. He suffered some loss from it, but this was like months ago. But on the base of the skeleton, there's like a ton of baby coralites. <laughs> so, so hopefully we can regrow it from these, Bring it tiny back little, sh from these tiny little shreds. And then this morning, I wake up with a mysterious fish death. And one of my African flamebacks is just gone. I'm like, wait, what? What happened? Oh, in What's your uh, fish only? In my fish only aquarium. Yeah. And same thing. I was like, I am not okay with this. I'm not okay with just chucking it up to whatever i cut off his gill plate i cut off a gill arch throw him under the dissecting scope and there was some weird exotic form of gill flukes just writhing all on on the the gills and uh i've only done half a day's worth of research but i wasn't able to find any matches so it's not uh gyrodactylus or Dactylogyrus. I couldn't find any exact matches. I mean, it's clearly a fluke, and it's clearly in the gills. And I started a strong Prazi Pro powder, sorry, Prazi powder treatment, because Prazi Quantil um, starts to degrade as soon as you mix it up, right? Yeah, the other thing about the liquid Prazi Pro stuff is um, the thing that the, the liquid suspension they use, I just learned this recently, uh, acts like a carbon dose. And people have seen it starve the te the quarantine tank of oxygen. Um, so uh, it's, uh, is, is it Jay Hemdall? Uh, yeah, he does yeah. a lot of fish disease stuff. He I'm ashamed. A I used to have his book. I swear this morning when I found the gill fluke, I went over here to the library to go look for it. And I'm like, where is it? Did, did I lose it somewhere along the way? Uh yeah, he was the one that advised going with the powderized format. And that's mm -hmm. back in our reef hack talks i mentioned using a brine shrimp net so i would i didn't want um i wanted it to fully dissolve and not get you know mixed in with fish and stuff so i uh, i would literally just kind of dangle that net and i put the powder in it and put it in like a high flow area so it would have a chance to dissolve through that like mesh um mm. and there's um something cure it's one of the like it's one of the, like Cheaper. General cure. General cure. There it is. Yeah, it's got yeah. prazi, and I think it has Metronidazole. a. There you go. Thank you. See, <laughs> I've, I've been all this on this all day, dude. So I'm that's so, what I switched to. Yeah, that's. I'm so in the in the zone right now. Um. So yeah, I do believe. I don't think Chemiclean is killing the ciliate. I really don't. I don't think it's just like a wham, bam, oh, okay, you've eradicated the ciliate. But I'm sure that the ciliate doesn't like it. So I still ha I haven't yet put the euphilia tank back online, but I'm feeling like doing a follow-up dose. Like take out half the water, fill it back up with system water, keep it you know disconnected, put some carbon on there. But one thing that I do that I feel is like super critical when I'm treating antibiotics, when I'm treating with Prazipro, when I'm treating it with Chemiclean, doesn't matter if you have a protein skimmer, air stones. 
Yeah. Yeah, you got to have that air. You all, you you think that all that air that's going into your protein skimmer is it's plenty of gas exchange? But first of all, you're supposed to turn that off for a lot of these treatments. And second of all, the pressurized air from an air pump adds so much more oxygen to any tank. Anytime I'm having any kind of those weird kind of issues or I do a treatment, uh, everything's got an air stone. I have air stones on certain tanks just because. <laughs> just because well, the fish tanks or the quarantine tank. I see so many people talk about, you know, oh, I tried quarantine and like it wiped out all my fish. And, and like, usually when you see the picture, it's like just a power filter on the back. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I always wonder if the medication they're using is competing for oxygen, right? For sure. And for uh, sure. if they just had some big old air stones in there, their success rate with quarantine fish would go way up. No, um, it wouldn't go way up. It would be dramatically different. It would be yeah. 180 degrees yeah. different. No, that is when I'm treating prazi, when I'm treating antibiotics, everything but copper, when I'm treating kept me clean, even in a reef tank, I always had an airstone, man. Yeah. Always had airstone. I mean, this is like aquaculture 101. Mm-hmm. Everything just, you've got to have that oxygen. And, and all the things that you might do to the tank, maybe outside of like mineral and trace element additions, but anything that's going to fundamentally uh, interact with the biology of the aquarium, it's going to consume oxygen. Antibiotics, praziquantel, chemiclean, which is an antibiotic, always have to have the air stone. Ah, so I'm not, I'm not out of the woods yet, but now I f- my, my, my chest really does feel lighter from just giving y'all a little piece of reef reality. And, and this is not a function of just having a reef tank. This is a function of running a studio and having a dozen tanks and always getting new livestock. And this is why, like, the beginning of the year, I'm like, yeah, let's get some new fish. Let's get some new frags. End of the year, I'm like, nothing. Unless it's really, 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 really special. But, man, I'm really going to spend the rest of this year, instead of getting new stuff, just make sure, sure everything I have is in peak condition, in peak of health, and thinning out the corals that I have because, you know, some of them just grown and grown and grown. And then you're going to get a blue squamosa clam and you're going to get a bunch of corals as soon as like September, October comes down and it cools down. Cause I'm, I'm just way more comfortable filling shipping in cooler weather than in warmer weather. I appreciate that. And hopefully, uh, I, I, hopefully I'm not cursed with blue squamies. I went that route because I, um, I've always felt maximas are, are, are hard to keep. Um, I've, I've tried Crocea's, Crocea's a few times and yeah, uh, well there, it's interesting. Like when I had a regal angel, he would devour, uh, Crocea's, but would leave like squamies and races alone. <laughs> so oh. I didn't quite, a, he had a, he had a taste, but, um, no, to your point though, um, my wife has made that observation with me so many times. And I think I'm like you, cause you, you what know observation? me, um, well, so like whenever my tank hits like harmony and things are growing and all the fish get along great and everything's going well. And then I'm like, I'm going to go buy a new fish or a coral. And she's like, why? Why are you rolling the dice? Why are you upsetting the harmony? Like, just just be happy. And so she always gets annoyed, right, when I go buy a fish. But um, she kind of has a point, you know, because... My tank, when I don't add anything for a long time, it hits harmony, right? I don't have issues and mysterious things popping up. But when you start to throw new things into the equation, everything changes. The dynamics in your fish behavior change when you add that other fish, right? Everybody gets upset. And um, 
God knows the last two ick issues I had were not related to a fish edition, but to an invert edition, right? Yeah, so we talked about that. You know, she's got a point, man. Maybe this, I is, just, this is kind of why you should not be cycling your tank over six months. You should put everything in within 10 minutes right. and then let it just, coast and let, <laughs> and let everything just work itself out. Survival of the fittest, you know, three yep. months later, you're going to come around and be like, okay, everything's cool now. <laughs> No, do not set up a reef tank in 10 minutes. But but yeah, if you're just if you're taking like the trickle approach to adding invertebrates, adding fish, adding corals, every introduction is an opportunity to upset the balance or the harmony, as Nicole says. Yep. Yeah. Well, I hope uh I hope things stabilize for you, man. That's frustrating. But I, I like your approach of one getting more prophylactic about it and to, uh, you know, having like the information, right? The actionable insight from that microscope. That's pretty the cool. The frustrating part, bro, is that I have been a, a, a prophylactic about it. I've had systems that were set up to receive corals first and you just, you just get complete. Like the fish system though, I hit that with a levamisole a few times. That should have wiped a bunch of True. stuff out. Yeah. But I guess I'm just have to get a little bit more aggressive with, just tar I need to identify this this these types of gale flukes, and uh, then just go on a like two month bender where every five to six days prazy powder prazy powder prazy powder prazy powder, and then with the coral systems I'm just I mean I'm I'm over it I'm done I'm done 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 I'm for sure you know like certain kinds of corals do not get pests or parasites. Um, but anything that does for sure is going to go into an isolated system. So that's why I need to clear out my first coral flat and get more corals out of there. That's where all the overflow corals are in. And that can kind of function as a, um, as a pre quarantine or an isolation thingy. Yeah. I need to clean out my coral quarantine tank that, uh, Malu anemone has taken over like half of it. So I need to rehome oh, that stupid guy. stupid Malu and the nano tank has decided to start doing laps. <laughs> I, th I think he took down. Or he, I know. I think he took down some rocks. That yeah. rockscape that had the um, all the sun polyps on it with an orange branching uh, frog spawn on top. I think he's been moving around. Like I mean, he's been doing laps. Um, he just needs to come out. Like the, the clownfish don't care about him. He's just a, a liability at this point. Um, a great looking liability. You know, he's he's not red. He's not pink. He's just like that reddish dark, <laughs> not darkish red. He looks exactly like dark. mine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he needs to come out of there. I'm pretty sure he's the one who pulled down the rock or probably just like by burrowing his foot in the sand and just kind of dislodging things. So <sighs> I just want, I just want to make some nice uh, reef aquarium videos and, uh, actually I had some huge upgrades this past weekend. What would you, you do? You might be, you might be impressed. Uh, I installed a 10 gig uh, network here at the studio. Oh, wow. I have a gig internet to the studio fiber on a gig up and a gig down it, it you know how hard it would be to find that it would be so hard to find that just landing in this spot um discovering that i had 100 up and down for 65 dollars was amazing it was just like mind-blowing and then i don't know about a year after i'm here they just they drop that tier down to 45 dollars and like okay for 65 dollars you can get 948 megabits up and down like what 
That should be good for especially your your case where you're uploading content, right? And you're waiting for those uploads. And it, here's the, the the use case scenario. I don't ever have to settle for the quality of the video after if it's uploaded. You know, we, we, we do a lot of work to ensure that the videos are super quality, but sometimes I might not watch them on my computer. Sometimes I'm watching them on YouTube and then I'll catch a mistake. It's a finger snap to re-export it and re-upload it and, you know, and, and fix that mistake. It, it nice. just, it just yeah. streamlines everything, but we set up a new workstation for, for Evan. And um, he knows the basics of editing with iMovie, but over here we're just uh, we're up in our game, both on um, on audio capture, on um, video editing, on color correction, and just really trying to bring things new to life. I feel like I'm spending just as much time gearing up to make videos as making videos. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's 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 a fun challenge, and I do kind of see the the end of the road because we're not making movies over here right we just want things to be really good and uh oh my god mark talking to you about all this <laughs> makes me feel so much better oh yeah and last last but not least this just my i love me some controllable devices but i'm gonna have to start uh declining prototypes <laughs> because uh -uh. there's a lot of benefits to some of this controllable products and I, I, I just don't understand how my $5 wireless controllable Wi-Fi Miros plugs for $5, it takes, it takes less than a breath to pull them out of the package, plug them in, connect them to the network, and program them to do something. Like literally you can hold your breath in the entire time to do that. And other aquarium devices, like sometimes I go into it knowing like the control settings are going to be a little janky. And other times I have higher expectations. But if, if a company has been doing some kind of controllable network daily for their devices for five years and they haven't upgraded it, it already sucks. I don't think they understand that. They're like, oh, we fixed this like five or six years ago. I was like, no, you didn't. If you don't stick with it, if you don't continually, continuously update and upgrade the method in which your devices are connected and controlled and programmed, you're just falling behind the curve. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I'm still stuck on in my controller ways, but a lot of it is more to address my own anxieties. Right? Um, it's um, it's more built around leak detection making sure that, you know, the trash cans that my RO fills or my sump doesn't overflow. And and the funny thing is, is like, you know, knock on wood, I, I don't tend to have those issues very often, you know, because if you design a good system, you don't have to worry about that stuff as much. But I just have anxiety about that. And I love that I have something that it's that and, and I think they can you can do this. It'd be cool if the IFTT um space gets better where i can say okay if this bluetooth leak detector that has nothing to do with the aquarium hobby detects water then do that right like i don't yeah. need neptune or ghl or i mean like honestly like I'm iftt a, i could I'm about do to say something this nice. then that all day long right i'm about to say something nice about neptune and i want everybody to just brace themselves <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in all of these years, I finally saw the use case for having a secondary controller. While I was experiencing some challenges 
trying to connect directly to an aquarium product that is supposed to work standalone, I was like, oh my God, if I had an Apex connected and I could just offload to the Apex, it's not about having different apps, but all of a sudden I wouldn't have to worry about trying to connect this thing in a different way. I could just be like, just offload it to the Apex controller. It was the first time I was like, why, why? I've always, I've always been in the camp of like, why would you, why, why, why would you offload the controllability if something is already controllable? And when all these different companies have so many different ways of connecting, I mean, there's, there's Bluetooth, Bluetooth LE, wireless, wireless direct, wireless through your router. Um, I just based on a couple others, um, web servers. If you could just offload that to one central brain, this is one of those cases where, like, yeah, I, I could see the the use for controllability. But um, you know, I I think we talked. To, I think we really um, piqued some interest by talking about our ninety nine dollar you know smart pH uh, monitor, mm-hmm. and out of fifty dollars, because there's your upsale fifty dollars screen. Just make it work with the thing. But ninety nine dollars out the box. I know the parts are ten to fifteen bucks. The packaging costs just as much as the parts and the shipping. Um, but I don't think people know this, but you can get a Bluetooth pH and humidity agrometer that that is Bluetooth connected that logs everything for twelve freaking dollars retail Amazon with a big LCD screen. Did you did you understand the words that just came out of my mouth? For twelve dollars, you can get a temperature humidity monitor that connects over Bluetooth for twelve dollars the batteries last half a year like i'm not asking for a ph controller or a ph monitor for 12 dollars. i'm just saying we have different needs and different expectations for the aquarium hobby so for a hundred dollars plus the r&d to give us a nice swanky you know user interface and make sure that it's really really solid 99 dollars leaves a lot of room on the table between the 12 dollar bluetooth agrometer and the hundred dollar ph monitor so there's that. Yeah, I think. I mean, you you remember the pinpoint monitors, right? If they would just oh yeah, they're still around to, and they're same price as everything that they did uh, yeah. thirty years ago. Yeah, same. They exact could just ones. modernize those, right? Um, and I, I think somebody mentioned that uh, on the coral view side, um, uh, the hydros you can. I don't. I don't think ninety nine dollars, but you can get into monitoring mode pretty cheap. Um, and I, I thought that you know I, I haven't really evaluated that product enough. Uh, just because I don't have hold, a bazillion tanks. You, you, just, you just start talking about something. I'm going to go grab a couple toys. All right. Um, no, I, I'm watching. I, I need to watch the Hydros uh, space closely just because, one, I like the competition. Um, I like some of the things that I have seen on the surface level, you know, that they are doing. I just want to see, you know, I, I need to learn more about it because I, I can't offer any criticisms about it because I don't know enough about it. And, if I had another tank running and I thought, oh, you know, let me go test a new controller. Great. But I don't, you know, everything's on my apex and it'd be a pain in the butt to switch that out. So, um, just All try right, something me, new. Let me show you two toys. All right. This is the Hannah, uh, Halo pH, uh, probe. This is Bluetooth controllable 
very high accuracy. I've tested a bunch of things. This is my, this is like my reference. When I, anytime I, I, even other can, Hannah stuff, anytime I calibrate it, like this is the measure by which I, um, uh, compare. This is, I think this is just under $200. Um, and that's it. Just, it's, it's battery powered and it doesn't, I'm not sure. I don't think it can do a logging function. Um, but when you look at this and it's connected to my phone, there's no reason that this can't be USB powered and connect do to continuous Wi-Fi. monitoring. Yeah. 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 All right. So there's that. This is um, my Pasco Scientific wireless pH um, monitor. So this is um, basically it's for those of you just listening, it's just a dongle that connects to a pH pen. And there's no reason you can't. Uh, so you can use this. any pH probe, really. Yeah, yeah. So That's this is designed specifically for like um, educational experiments. Yeah. So this is Bluetooth, and it's 129, I think. And it can monitor. It can log. Um, it can log for three months at like five second interval. We don't need a five second interval. Give me a 10 minute interval. But basically this is a Bluetooth little jobby that, you know, turns on for a tiny bit, takes a pH measurement, logs it, shuts off. <laughs> the only catch with this thing is you can't view the data until you stop the monitoring and download the results. Yeah, yeah. So it's for so, like an experiment or yeah, know. yeah. This is specifically designed for but like PHM, again, you can extrapolate from that what the possibilities are. You right? know it. You yeah. know it. I mean, this this has like a super crazy scientific software behind it that no Aquarius needs. Like you could totally simplify it. So between these two devices, there's certainly, and this is 129 with the pH probe, right? And this is one about under $200 without the pH probe. So between these two worlds of things that have been available for forever, give me my $99 smart pH pen. We're just going to call it a smart pH pen. We're going to start a campaign <laughs> on every single reef therapy is like, where's that, where's that $100 smart pH pen, yo? I do. I have, I have talked to some folks about making them from scratch because it shouldn't be that hard, especially knowing what's out on the market. God, I feel so good every time I rant. <laughs> every time I get this out. Every time I get this out. And you know what? I have historically been really bad about discussing my challenges in the aquarium hobby. But uh, I feel like as influencers in the reef aquarium world i think it's more important than ever for us to explain to people uh, and describe and explain the challenges and express our frustrations that we have when when we do things right it's just so easy to just always have that cover shot ready to go and yeah. it's just it's not it's not reality so i think it's great in a way that you and i can talk about the um, the challenges that we're facing yeah it's um I think it's important, right? Because I mean, I, it, I don't know. Um, back in the, there was a time where you know we discussed more online with some of the more veteran reef keepers, and you know that the the funny part about talking to some of those guys was some of those that were my heroes was like when you got that behind the scenes kind of people just chatting, like they were all talking about crap that they were dealing with, and I was like, mm -hmm. oh. Oh, oh, they got they got issues in their reef tank too, right? Um, and that was an eye opener for me back then. Uh, and then today, I you know I think it's important to sort of pass that along. Still, you know, um, more than ever, 
Man. more than ever. You know, it's one thing when the reef aquarium and, uh, hobby was right next door to alchemy. It's one thing when we don't understand anything yeah. and we're just throwing things against the wall, trying to understand like what the corals need. This is, this is like a generation before understanding alkalinity and magnesium. Somehow in the back of our heads, we're like, oh yeah, they need calcium. Give them calcium, calcium, calcium. It's all about the calcium. Make sure to keep your calcium up. But we're really testing it. We're just throwing a bunch of calcium in the tank all the time. And now that we understand every uh, most things, not ma maybe most of the chemistry, maybe not so much of the the intricacies of the biology, um, it's it's more important than ever to just uh, discuss our challenges because that's how we learn. And it's just kind of disappointing that I'm like out here with my flukes and my ciliates. There's not another person who's looked at some tissues from their corals to try to understand what's happening you know so that I'm, I'm definitely um taking a hard left turn here and i'm not i'm not just not i'm not gonna just let it go I, now i need an answer <laughs> something's well, got to give for as long as you and i've been in this hobby it's amazing that that space hasn't um mature not i don't want to use mature evolved further right mm -hmm. like i don't I don't know if we know more about mysterious fish diseases and parasites today than we did 10 years ago. You know, there's not a lot of, um, I, I think treatment methods have evolved and improved, but, uh, you know, for quarantine, but it, there's just still not, at least in the hobby, maybe mm -hmm. in, in the public aquarium space, it's a different story, but there's just not a lot of information out there. Right. I mean, yeah. like people refer to flukes as flukes, Right. And that's just like saying crustaceans <laughs> or bacteria. It's just yeah. such a huge wide right. world. Um, you know, and you know what? I'll be the first to admit that for 20 years, I, I was just turned off by the idea of researching fish diseases. Coral disease are just, they're just names that describe what the, what's happening to the coral. There's not any like, like, concrete um, descriptors of what's happening to the coral, what is consuming the coral, what is causing the problem. There's a lot of speculation, but then follow-up treatments. It's only really in the couple, last couple of years where um, really large companies that handle a lot of coral, some of them really precious, like worldwide corals, like ACI, like eye-catching corals, that they're starting to have the resources and the wherewithal to be like, okay, we can't just let this happen anymore. We have to Put some of these, you know, ailing corals off to the side and just just try a little bit of treatment at them yeah. and just see what happens. And um, like I said, I, I have no um, illusions that the ChemiClean is going to eradicate the, what I believe to be a ciliate in my euphelia-dominated um, display. But I'm pretty sure the ciliates also don't like it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to buy me a little bit of time. Oh, okay. One, two, three, three, two, one. What the heck is bothering me? <laughs> All right. I got, I got my therapy out. So now right. we, let's come to the meat and potatoes and you're going to yeah, take the lead I, on I this. I think we did good because we, we, we did a little bit of uh, reef aquarium related discussions. And I think we're at like what the 30 minute mark is. I want to, I mean, this is going to be famous last words. I'll be, I'll regret saying this, but I don't <laughs> think this, uh, vent I'm about to make warrants a whole other 30 minutes, but we'll see. Um, but it's I just, think it does. Uh, you think it does? All right. I, I mean, I think it just needs to be put out there. 
Okay. And I'm going to start with the disclaimer that I am not against people making money, right? Like I'm nope. not uh, nope. against nope. people running a successful business. Um, I just find these things highly annoying. And that thing I find highly annoying is what is up with all these live sales? Like these auctions, these live sales and like, hey, this Saturday, ignore your whole family and hit refresh for eight hours as we 16 load. 16 hours. 16 hours, okay. 24 as, hours. As we load corals by piecemeal with discounts and you don't want to miss out. FOMO. Oh, man. And then you go to their website and you're like, man, I don't care about the sale. I just want to buy some corals in a reasonable price. And it's like out of stock, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. I'm like, but it's on your live sale. You got it on your live sale. You don't have frags like at the regular price, like the day after or the day before. Anyway, so my question is why? And it used to be like a few vendors, but now you go to like the sponsor page of like probably the most popular forum, right? Reefkeeping forum. It's just live sale, live sale, live sale, live sale, auction, eBay auctions. What's going on with that stuff? I don't get it. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I, I'm not the one to ask. I really okay. am not. Like, I think once or twice, just out of curiosity, sure. I'm like, you know what? Let me uh, let me follow I need this another train. beer for this. <laughs> Let me follow this train and see what station it ends up at. It didn't end up in a station. I mean, I I don't know that much about it. Obviously, I've seen the rise of live sales as a promotional tool grow like like crazy over the last 10 years. I'm like, isn't eBay good enough? <laughs> I mean, that's an auction, which is sort of live. It's all happening at the same time. Um, so yeah, I don't know what to, I don't know what the answer is, but I, the one time I really followed along, I watched one of these major coral vendors put up, you know, crazy overpriced chalice coral frags that, you know, that were listed on their website for $200, uh, for sale for like $35. You're like, yep. what? You're like, wait, what? What? That's not even a sale. That's like that's a just, huge. That's like liquidation. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's that when you when you take things like seventy five to eighty percent off. That's not a sale. That's like liquidation going out of business thing. So you bring up a great point, Mark. So my theory on that is, and these are all theories. And and for the coral vendors out there, I'm I'm probably going to get you know most of these wrong. But I'm just an outsider looking in. Is you got the high prices on your regular website that you're going to get the occasional dude that's like, screw it, I'll pay that, right? Mm -hmm. And then you do the live sales to bring in the regular dudes, right? The guys that are more, more accustomed to paying reasonable prices for like a chalice. So you, you, mm -hmm. you're you able price. to bridge the gap between, yeah, the guys that want to pay a more reasonable street price and the guy that just says, ah, eh, screw it, $200, I'll you, pay that, whatever. You have the gallery price and then you have the street price. There you go. Um, but to your point, you know, um, again, maybe maybe it's less effective as a business model, but why not just have these things available somewhere in the middle, right? Um, don't go to those rock bottom prices on your website, but if you're going to sell something for 40 at a live sale and 200 um, during just regular days, like put something in the middle, like charge me 80 bucks for it. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. I don't get the pricing thing. 
Um, and I wonder if it's a bit of the a result of the chop shop mentality, right? They bring in these colonies, they chop them up into tiny bits, and then they throw a live sale out there. You get rid of all these little pieces. The vast majority of live sale corals, unless it's clearly at wild corals, those are chop chop. Yeah. You know, obviously it's a little bit better, a little bit if they're encrusted, you know, but the couple live sales that I've dropped in on, I mean, they had angular edges. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like those things hit the saw a week ago. Yeah. And uh, again, it's that's a super catch-22, but um, carry on. I'm, I'm enjoying your event because right. <laughs> I got mine out. <laughs> um, I already touched upon availability. Uh, I am a guy that's like, hey, these are the five corals I want uh, to order. And I'm sure the re- some of our listeners can relate to this frustration where you can't find a single vendor that offers all five corals. And you're like, well, damn it. You know, now I got to order from mm-hmm. this guy and this guy and pay shipping. Or maybe I can get my, maybe if I throw in a bunch of corals I don't want, I can get to 250 bucks and then I don't pay shipping. And the um, trap it's a is trap. that free shipping. It's just like, I want a coral for $180. Let's just, I'm just throwing out a random number. Minimum orders or free shipping is at 250 And fish shipping is going to be like 45 to 50 bucks or maybe just 40 bucks. I'm like, oh, I don't want to pay for shipping. Let me just grab a couple more junky frags of just yeah. some Leptastria, some Cyphastria, some random sticks or whatever. And yeah, I'm not... Uh, you, I mean, you got a lot of room, but you also have a lot of corals, but I don't, right? I don't have room for corals that I don't want, right? Um, yes. And the other side of it is, you know, okay, so everything's out of stock on your website, but then you have a live sale and you got all these corals, right? If I just hit refresh, you know, 50 bazillion times on a Saturday, I don't get that part either. I It confuses me. Like, why... Is the website just a front, right? Like for the auction? Um, <laughs> it, it annoys me, right? Like I, it's Tuesday. I missed out on the live sale. Okay. But, I, you know, you don't have any corals on your site. Um, yeah. That's that the other me. thing. I, I see, um, you know, websites that uh, are being promoted online, pr- promoted in social media, and I'm like, oh, cool! Here's this company I've never seen. And I go and and I go into their website, and there's virtually nothing on there. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you paying to sponsor to advertise your website that you have nothing for sale? That's the the bigger mystery. I found one site, um, and they they didn't have any corals. All they had was a click here for the current live auction. Or click here for future live auctions. That was the only thing on their website. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand. Um, I mean, I guess if that's your sole business model, nothing against that. That's like, you're like, hey, I'm not even going to mess with selling corals on a website. I'm just going to do auctions and post pictures on a reform. And you click on the picture and you buy it. And then you buy a little shipping module. Uh, wait, let's back it up. You you look at the highly flattering photograph taking under uh, very flattering lighting with flattering camera settings that you are then going to throw into Photoshop and boost all the levels to the point where it just doesn't look like the original animal anymore. Like I have a few Nexus burst anemones 
they're amazing. They're like, they're really, really cool looking. If you take, you know, a, an average picture of it with just a yellow yeah. filter under bluish white light, it will blow your mind. And I see some folks that are promoting these, you know, half green, half orange Nexus bursts. The levels are pushed so far, they don't look anything like the anemone that I have. Like not even close. And I'm like, you don't, you, you don't always have to be disingenuous or, you know, worse when you're promoting your stuff. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I, and I don't get what's behind the life sale. Like I, I feel like, I feel like the life sale should be an opportunity to like, basically be a clearance sale right yeah. it shouldn't go from 200 to 30 dollars, right if you have some stuff at 120 140 or 99 then you know drop 30 bucks on it drop you know or drop it by 30 bucks drop it by 40 bucks that's that's more of a clearance sale but it, it there there really is some um uh, fascinating psychology at play with these life sales oh it's and i, I want to repeat all the what, way it's, yeah, I want to repeat what you said at the beginning is we are not criticizing anyone on how they want to to make money for the business. You want to you want to eBay, you want to direct sale, you want to go to shows, you want to do live sales, everything. We're just literally just talking about this the the the, the stupefying range of of sticker price from every you know, the gallery price versus the street price. I, I, I don't know. I yeah, don't know what the answer is. I mean, at the next Magnum, maybe one of these coral vendors could just like blow my mind at the bar and say, look, here's how our business would look if we just sold frags the old fashioned way. And here's how much more money we make doing this. And I'd be like, man, that makes sense. But as a consumer, it's that's not interested in spending my weekend hitting refresh. It's highly annoying. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know and, what? I and maybe it's a little like get off my lawn. Right. Because I, I don't. I'm not used no. to it. You know what? You and me, we are the get off my lawn briefers. We're those t-shirts, we're going to have them at Magna 2029 when they finally have a Magna again. Sorry, 2022 in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, we are we are the get off my lawn briefers. But um, I don't like the gamification of the um, the forum thread either, right? It's like, all right, you want to post up some stories, you know, post up some pictures of the corals that are for sale. Fine. What I, you know what I wasn't prepared for is a guessing game. Ooh, guess how many coral frags we made in the past week for this live sale. And then there's like 12 pages of people posting one number. Yeah. Well, how is that fun for anybody? Like, I get it. You want engagement in your live sale thread to keep it at the top of the page. That's not quality, man. That's not content. And then you just scroll and scroll and scroll. Like, I just, I just want to see the coral pictures. Hey, but you know what? You can get around a lot of that live sale shenanigans. Did you know yep. this? Did saying. you know that? Whale, when you have two to three to four, five, six, seven hundred corals you're going to be posting up in a single weekend, ain't nobody got time to come up with unique file names for each coral and whale oh, listing. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't take much creativity to change the number or the letter in the Increment the JPEG. And yeah. see everything that's coming. Yeah. You might be able to buy some. I'm not going to dive deeper. I'm sure we're going to have a bunch of questions. It's not hacking. It's literally just poking around, which I guess is I guess is kind of hacking. <laughs> but not, you don't have to poke around that hard. Just be like, oh, this is everything they're going to post up on a live sale for this whole weekend. And I can look at it right at the beginning. <laughs> 
Well, to me, it's like, it's using, I love forums, right? I love the the more long form discussion about reef keeping topics. I don't like that we've seen a lot of people that I enjoyed conversing with about reef keeping going away from forums and more social media. I get why they did it. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm the first to admit that in the age of social media, forums are kind of a dated platform, one that I still enjoy very much, so I'm not insulting it. So it just seems weird to me that they're like, we're going to set up a website where you can buy coral and then we're going to do this really archaic way of selling corals that like is no different than me posting some frags in the classified, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And, it's and the, the BOMO thing, right? factor the pisses me off. Like you're, you're forcing people to be like, oh crap, I don't want to miss that frag. Crap, I just spent $300 and I was really only good for 100 like it pushes people to go too far, you know, like to, 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 to I got to buy that coral. It's on sale. Here's and- the problem with the live sale corals. If you're any kind of business, any kind of business, not even corals. And let's say you're donut shop and there's a big event outside your store um, coming up this weekend. And you know, you're going to need to make 5,000 donuts. Do you think those are going to be the best quality donuts you could ever make on any given day? Right. Of course not, because you're under pressure to make 5,000 freaking donuts for two days. I mean, I don't know how many donuts donut people make. Maybe we have some donut, you know, bakers watching who could elucidate that. But no, so same thing with corals. Like, like if you're any business and you know that you need to have one, two, 500, a thousand corals ready for the weekend, whether it's a month out or a couple weeks out, do you think those are going to be the best quality coral frags of all time? Or are they rushed? Are they, are they being handled with the kind of caution and care and consideration that you would with corals that you've, you know, really grown out that you haven't just chopped up, right? No, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. No, that's a really Boom, good point. Drop. That's my mic drop. <laughs> that's um, my mic drop moment right there. Well, and I picture this coral colony coming in from a wholesaler, going to one of these guys. They chop it in a million pieces. They ship out that little frag in that bag. By the time that coral gets to you, it's like, what the hell's going on, right? If if a coral mm-hmm. had a brain, I guess. But um that's a lot of freaking stress <laughs> for yeah. a coral. They're not letting it heal and crust. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get the logistics of it. I, I don't get the timing. I mean, some of these vendors have a live sale every month. So like, is you it know, really a I, sale at that point? It's just a, I don't know. I have to, to think. Here's my theory. My theory is new reefers. Right, new reefers who are new to the scene, who don't know what comes in on a month to month or year to year basis, you know, what's gonna be available when you when you ride out through the seasons, right? If you're a new excited reefer and you don't know what's out there, you don't know what can be available from day to day to day. 
and you've been reefing for two, three, four months, maybe six, maybe a year or two, and you're really like in that phase of, of buying corals for your tank, um, you see the, you know, the live sale and you haven't done that much shopping around. I mean, you and I have been window shopping every place all over the world for 20 years. Like we, we yep. know the stuff comes and goes, stuff becomes rare and then becomes common again. And some stuff is just absolutely hype bubble time. And it has nothing to do with like the, the actual scarcity of the coral. And um, so that's what I think it is. You know, obviously there's, there's a good angle on it. I'm sure some people have fun. Um, and, but if yeah, you're a new some reefer, people enjoy the adrenaline of it or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, but, I mean, I have a 180-gallon tank. Um, I don't have a 600-gallon tank, right? But I, even if I had a 600-gallon tank, if I participated in all these live sales, I'd have way too many freaking corals, right? Dude, so, have you seen these Instagram reef tanks, though? Yeah. No, a I know. A 60-gallon tank will have 200 frags in it. Yeah, what happens in five years? I mean, you know, no, they can... What happens in three months? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have 200 frags in my four foot by eight foot coral table. You're either you really know? good at killing coral or you're giving away and selling a lot of corals, right? Like it's, it's a, there's a turnover rate somewhere in there because, yeah, to your point, I, five years is probably overestimating. Like in three months, if you're good at keeping corals alive or decent. If you're decent, not even good. You're going to have some problems. <laughs> you're going to have immediate problems. And you know what? Some of those might be self-correcting, right? Yeah. You got a Blastamusa next to a Lord, next to a Recordia, next to, I don't know, a few zoanthids. They might hold the line. You know, they're going to yeah. fill that space, hold the line, and you have five corals in a four-inch by four-inch section. <laughs> well, and know? that was my point. It's like I, I, I have a don't have a really big tank compared to day standards, but like I don't have room. You know, like I, I'm already very selective about what I'm going to put in there. You know, when I did the uh, the coral show a couple weeks ago, the Rocky Mountain Coral Show, um, I was talking. I, you know, I love talking to service guys. They have yeah. such a unique perspective on stuff, and they showed me this tank that had. You know, Colorado Sunburst, Pikachu Acro, French Tickler Acro, uh, you know, just a, uh, some really nice torches. And all the corals were spaced like six inches apart. And I'm like, man, that is a, that's a minimalist looking tank. Like each colony was solidly medium sized, you know, like four to six inches in diameter. But they, everything was super spaced out. And the service guys were telling me, yeah, like this guy really doesn't like things touching. Like if, if they get within a few inches of each other, he, he'll instruct them to like hack it up. He wants like all this separation between the corals. I'm like, I want to come see that tank. <laughs> I want to come see that tank because yeah, things are so crowded. And I think the, probably the biggest generational gap between 10 to 20 year old reefers and today is right now there's probably a lot more emphasis on collecting stuff. Man, I've seen, I've seen single coralites of Blastamusa described as mother colonies. Mm -hmm. Do you know what a colony is? That's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> that's more than one you know what i call a colony and like in my mind like a broodstock colony that's any coral you need to hold with two hands if you need two hands to hold it boom you are firmly in colony category you're colony territory right if if you need two fingers to pick it up you're still in the frag zone yeah i mean this so i i bought some corals this week and i bought two five oh right? 
Oh, snap. And that stressed me out because I actually I have, you didn't. You huh? did not buy a Favia. You buy a, a Goniastria Favius. It's a very weird micropolyp strain of Goniastria that will sting the shit out of any Favia Favites you put next to it. Because you got the Ultron Favia. But and I also, also okay. got it at the same time. But yeah, it, I saw, I saw, he actually just friended me <laughs> on Facebook and I saw him post a cool picture guy. and I was like, hey, I just got that coral. Um, the other one I got was the, um, uh, it's not like baby's breath or something, but it almost has like a peachy lime center. But anyway, having grown Favids like into mother colonies where they turn into like half this, like, like a half cut off volleyball, I was like, man, these two corals are going to take up a huge chunk of my tank, right? Like that's where my brain went. And I don't think a lot of people think about that, that like LPS, like especially those where you have multiple polyps, colostria, whatever, they get big. They do mm-hmm. get big. I mean, yep. yeah, I guess you can cut them up on the saw every once in a while and make them small again. But um, yeah, I, I, anyway, I don't think you're driving ultra- that too hard. Is it Tron or Ultron? I think they call it the Ultron, which I don't, I don't understand, but I'm not a Marvel guy. But so that is not. Um, so that's a Goniastrid. Yeah, you know it's it's one way. If you look at the pictures of the skeleton, not of the living colonies, but the skeleton on corals of the world, you're like, oh yeah, that's that. It was Jason Fox mm-hmm. who turned me on to the uh, the very uh, interesting uh, characteristic that the uh, these these very fleshy air quote favias um, send out sweeper tentacles in a way that you will never see from favias or favites. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's 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 those that are, have a bunch of colors. So I have like a, a little mini garden of mine, but I, I do have a, a, some that were accidentally mixed, uh, some actual platygyra, not what's usually being called platygyra. Um, so, yeah, those I don't think they're going to be hemispherical. But to your point, that's one thing I've been missing. Some nice round of ball-shaped moon corals. Like, I don't care if it's Fabia favites, Paragoniastria, Goniastria. I w- I'm looking out for some round ball-shaped moon corals. You know how many round ball-shaped parietes I have? Like six. <laughs> I have like six. I'll go to a shop and like, I'll get. I don't. I don't even look at the price. I'm like, I'll give you twenty bucks for that. <laughs> I'll give you twenty dollars for that coral. And they'll usually look at me and they'll look at that coral and realize how long they've had it and like, all right, fine, <laughs> get it out of here. Yeah, I had. Um, I grew one lime favia from maybe two polyps into mm-hmm. like pretty much half a half a volleyball size and then i lost it to that sctn coral uh killing bacteria um which was a big i think we talked about that in a previous episode so you know i was like yeah it's time for me to throw another one into the mix and grow it out and that's the fun of it man you get like something that's two polyps and you grow it into the size of a ball like the pride it's yeah. cool as hell yeah it's so cool that's one thing i've been missing is round moon corals. I mean, I mean, when I first started in the hobby, you know, the uh, Eric Borneman and the other guy guide. Um, I can't remember his name. I have the, I have one of the editions over here somewhere, and it was just, you just, there was one picture, like not even more, multiple pictures of of the coral, and it's just a ball, and it's yeah, you know, really nice and colorful, and uh, yeah. Got a couple of those things on my radar, but yeah, next, like I discussed or described with um, my challenges, you know, I've been dealing with the last half a week or a week or so, I need to get rid of corals and stabilize some systems 
and get super militant about quarantining and isolation, use my dissecting scope and microscope to try to identify what's going on and then experiment with the chemiclean and the reef primer and antibiotics to try to nip things in the bud. Is there is there more that you wanted to, to um, follow up on on the life sale no, side of things? Like I said, I didn't want to hammer it to death. Uh, it's just it's just a weird, mystifying thing. It's cool if it happens occasionally, um, but that you still have what? a business model for guys like me what? that just want to go to your website and buy a few corals every once in a while. I, I'll say it again. I don't understand how I get all these ads for new and upcoming coral vendors that have jack shit on their site i'm like what why are you paying money to advertise a website where there's nothing for sale not even like pointing to web to live sales not even pointing to ebay sales and um what uh, here here's a question what other industry of any kind has these live sales i I can't even think of an analog at all none that i'm a, a part of um I, I, you know, the, the model I did like, and it did stimulate some FOMO as well, was the live aquarium model, right? Six o'clock Eastern time every day. Four they, o'clock mountain time. Your time. Yeah. You, you go hit live aquarium and see what drops in the diver's day. That's right? so nice, man. That is one thing that I don't think they realize how awesome that is. Every day we get a refresh. Yeah. And I've something been new to look like, at. 15 years, Same. 15 years. And then and when there's a- that fish you really want and you're like, oh man, I got to check this out as quickly because you know it's going in somebody else's cart and that's where the FOMO mm-hmm. comes in, right? But but that's okay. That's better. Yeah. That's better. I actually want to give some props to Live Aquarium because I've been perusing their site for 15 years and it's only like recently that I recognized that they stand alone yeah. In trying to properly identify their corals. They don't get everything right, but man, they're still trying. Yeah. The Micromusa is, you know, lords are Micromusa lordhawensis. Australian scolies are Homophilia australis. You know, and they try to identify like the acros too. Like, I know Kevin is, you know, he shaped that company and really created this machine that is still going. I'm actually really impressed with what's happening over there. I don't know how long it's been since he since he left, you know, it was like earlier this year or something. But yeah, it's like you don't realize how refreshing it is to not have ultra mega handpick super ultra mega rare coral blah blah blah, not even the right name, fruity pebbles, one of a kind showpiece gallery. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing, man? Who what other industry does that? What other hobby does that? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. I I love that they have it broken down by mariculture, aquaculture, soft corals, mm-hmm. wild soft corals, wild LPS, um, and that's just the divers den. That forget about the fact that you can go to the other section and see availability for stuff coming from wholesalers. Right. Oh, I, I don't even look at that, but definitely the divers den. I mean, you're talking about what like like a few hundred pieces. Of Imagine the work that goes fish. into dropping that at. Four o'clock your time, six o'clock my time, every, every day. Every day. I mean, it's got to be three people, right? One person to photograph, maybe edit. Another one yeah. to like, you know, organize everything, and maybe a third person to oversee it. Yeah, that is a monumental work that they've been keeping going for dozen years. Yeah. No, I, I imagine it, they're not just like, hey, we got this fish in yesterday. Let's throw it on the divers no, den, right? No, no. They're conditioning and the other thing these is, fish. None of their corals are hyped. 
None right. of them are hyped. They're just wild corals that they've held on to for a while. And if you if you have a critical eye, you can be like, oh snap, that's on that's a Northwest Australia Acropora efflorescence. Or here we have a Pacific and Pacific Tonga Acropora two twite lensis going on. Oh, I'm I'm gonna be able to color that up. And uh it's yeah, it's it's super refreshing that they have realistic photographs, no hype. No made-up names, and they do a really good job at uh, trying to identify the coral to the proper species. Agreed. This 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 session of retherapy is not sponsored by the Have Aquaria. We're just <laughs> you know, we're just you know, real talk, real talk right here. <laughs> um, That's all I it, had on live sales. Um, just just the, the the befuddlement. It's just as. Again, maybe it's me. Maybe everybody loves them. I just find them highly annoying. <laughs> I think it's newbies. I think it's newer Aquarius who have that intense FOMO because they haven't been to a bunch of stores, bunch of reef shows, bunch of online shops, and they really, in the moment, feel like they're winning. Yeah. Yeah, it's the adrenaline of the acquisition and less so hey, I'm looking at this blank canvas of a tank. What do I want it to look like? What kind of corals do I want to keep? You know, that that's the angle I'm coming from, right? It's like I start to picture, you know, like I think a Leptoceras would look really cool there growing away, you know, doing this little thing. I think... What color? I, I mean, I had the Jason Fox Leprechaun for a long time. Jack-o- I lost it during the move. Yeah, the Jacko. Jacko Lantern, yeah. Uh, I lost it during the move. I think it was on one of the rocks that I was like, ah, eh, that's just base rock. I don't, you know, cause I, I Do you remember the Rena Spinkle? No. Yeah. I've been, I've had, uh, this one strain of orange Leptoceras for, I think I got it in 2009. I think yeah. I got it from live Aquaria of oh, really? all blazes. Well, I mean, we're talking about a time where like the Leptoceras was not on anybody's radar. And I saw this, you know, decent uh, colony of Leptoceras, Mycetosteroides. Um, and I've been kicking around for like 12 years. I actually need to spray that thing out because <laughs> I only have it on this one piece of river rock. Super have heavy. You seen, have you seen the purple one? Like it's like a purple Lepto with like orangey yellow polyps? Not a Leptoceras. Is that not a Leptoceras? What is that? That's a Cossinaria. Cossinaria will get legit purple with some f- degree of fuzziness. Interesting. Okay. I- you know, it's got it's got a kind of microstructure that I'm not going to like immediately slam somebody for calling it Leptoceras. But once again, if you take it from a frag to a colony and you let some of the older tissue and skeleton like, you know, really develop, it'll get a little bit more convoluted in its uh, skeletal mass and it'll develop a lot more tissue to the point where you're like, yeah, that's not a leptoceras. Um, and then Cossinaria is uh, a genus that you can find in really shallow, really bright water. Right. First, it really does seem like a leptoceras, like give it, you know, lower lighting conditions, uh, lower water flow, um, really sheltered, higher nutrient. Um, but most of the constant area that I've seen has actually been in super shallow water. And, um, that is a genus that I do not have at the studio at all. I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever had a piece of constant area, actually. I saw that recently and I thought that would be kind of a fun contrast coral to throw into the mix as well but uh, i didn't buy it so yeah no um there's at least one species of costanaria that is unquestionably purple lavender just like a uh, tonga purple bullseye like a rhodactus right so if you keep it in bluer light 
you know, it's going to look black. It's going to look gray. It's going to yeah. look dumb. If you keep it in, in warmer uh, daylight spectrum, you're going to be rewarded with a very interesting coral. And um, I'm not sure which species of Cossonaria the purple one is, but there is a Cossonaria columna that develops like thick, thick fingers, kind of like a dendrogyra, like the Caribbean coral that's extinct from Florida. Um, yeah. Again, you're talking about you know a coral that's a, a foot across and a foot tall to develop these these tall columns, and the only thing that would be comparable would be like Pavona maldivensis, just okay. a really cool, neat. It's not even branching anymore; it's like club shaped growth, just yeah. big clubs coming up. Interesting. See, now I got to go hunt up that name. <laughs> no, start. you won't find that name. You won't. This is this is the <clears throat> this is the internal problem. No one's trying to identify corals, actually. And so when I went out looking for Marilina, I typed in all kinds of goofy stuff. I typed in Leptoceras, and I ended up finding a couple Marilinas labeled as Platygyra. There's no freaking way you're gonna find. Cossonaria out there in the wild, properly identified. You're going to have to look for purple Leptoceras or purple Lithophylon or <laughs> purple No ID. <laughs> Who knows? No, but I'm going to look it up. I, I, I got that new uh, Coral ID book. Um, that, that's a that's a genus. I haven't even that hasn't even hit my brain. So I'm you said yeah. it. I'm like what? <laughs> yeah. So. Something new yeah, to look Coral at. Finder is an amazing guide. We're gonna plug it again. Do I have mine close by? I'm not sure. But um, mine, Russell Kelly is going to be presenting at, um, I guess, Mini Macna. I guess in September in, in lieu of of the actual Macna. So that's going to be a, an awesome talk. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time talking to the guy. So he really knows his stuff. He started out Coral Finder by. Um, basically borrowing a lot of images from Varen with his permission. And oh, I mean, it's been like 10 years. He's worked really diligently to take photographs um, to illustrate corals at the colony level, at the branch level, at the coralite level. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you're serious about Coral ID, um, the Coral Finder Guide 2021 is untouchable. You don't have to get down to the species. You get down to the genus, you know pretty much everything you need to know about that group of coral. And that's where Coral Finder is great. And it's also got the uh, complimentary videos that help you with some workshops and help you to uh, use the Coral Finder a little bit better. Nice. I need to check out the videos. I didn't even know those existed. Oh, it's yeah, a bummer, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. They're companion videos to go with a Coral Finder guide. Shoot. Huh? I got to go check yeah. that out. All right. Man. I feel, I feel, I feel lighter. Do you feel lighter? I do feel better. I do. <laughs> I don't know what's up with life sales, but if there's, if there's anyone watching on YouTube right now who has some insight or some feedback about what is up with the live sales. Like, I think we all can understand auctions, but with the live sale thing, if you're a buyer or if you're a seller, Tell us, like, school us. Let us know in the comments. Or like, we 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 sincerely, sincerely want to understand this phenomenon that is live sales, that's dominating our social media advertising, and so on and so forth. So, pretty good session, Mark. Thanks a lot for uh, hashing it out with me. Yeah, Thanks man. Everybody for listening. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Make sure to review us on your favorite podcatcher and to subscribe to the official Reef Therapy YouTube channel because in a short amount of time, all the videos of the Reef Therapy sessions are only going to be on the Reef Therapy channel. Yeah, we don't want to lose 
lose any of you guys as we move things over. So, yeah, you know what? We're, we're losing for a few months and then they realize, hey, I haven't heard Retherapy in a while. Where do I find it? Reef Therapy YouTube. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's end on that note and uh, we'll yeah. come around next week. That sound good? Sounds good, man. I'm All sure, right, Mark, I'm sure I will need another session in about seven days. I'm sure we will. we got seven <laughs> days to go and uh, plenty will happen in the meantime. All, All right, right Mark. Man. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Good to see you. All right. Bye.